Hey guys, this is Phil. This is the Vision Podcast, and this last week was Easter. Man, we talked about the word pivot. This was a word that uh, a pastor friend of mine from Kentucky, a man of God, someone who has a record of being very prophetic, um, gave me for our church and said, this is a critical time for your church, and the word that God has given me is pivot. And so I just encourage you to take this word to heart, take it personally, and always definitely take him personal. (laughs) Amen. Enjoy the podcast. We love you. Let's give thanksgiving and praise. Let's honor him for what he's done. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God, that you took every sickness, every sin, every infirmity, every disease on the cross when you died for us. God, that the greatest miracle we're here to celebrate today, your goodness to us, salvation, healing, health, wholeness, that you restored what the enemy stole. Lord, that this Adamic nature that we were born into, we don't have to put up with anymore. We don't have to participate anymore. But God, that you have called us to a life of love, of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, of peace. God, thank you for your peace. We're so grateful. Lord, you're such a good God, and we love you. We love you. Come on, just tell them where you're at. Just let them know, God, I love you. I'm so in love with you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you in this place, God. We honor you in this place. Where's that thing? Yeah, give Jesus a hand. Yeah. Wow. So grateful. So thankful. You can be seated this morning. I just want to share a few things that are on my heart with you this morning. It's Easter. This is Resurrection Day. It's so good to see everybody. Man, everybody's looking good, wearing your Sunday best. I love it. It's awesome. Put on my cheerful colors for you this morning. And just want to make people happy. And my wife makes me happy all the time because she's so bright colored all the time when she wears stuff. Um, I wanted to mention a couple things before I get started though. This, This last Tuesday, how many of you are men in here? Come on, I'm talking about the real men. How many of you guys are real men in here this morning? few of you raised your hands. Thank you for participating this morning. Um, (laughs) Let me tell you, last Tuesday night, um, we had a men's meeting, and it was so good. There were so many good things that came out in it, and so many things that people said. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a man in here, you need to be at the men's meeting. We have them once a month or the second Tuesday of every month. This last month, we were at Eat My Catfish. And if you want to be, if you want to receive texts, to let you know when the meeting is. Uh, They send out a text to let you know that it's coming up, and then they send you a friendly reminder 
to let you know. So it's not a part of some gang thread, you know, that you'll forever be a part of, okay? But it's just to communicate with you and let you know where we're going to be. And it was so good this last week. Roddy did a great job. I want to give special creds to Roddy. He does an amazing job leading our men's ministry. So if you want to find out when the next one is, talk to that man back there that looks like, I told him, I said, he's got this God thing happening with his beard and up here in his hair. He looks like Kenny Rogers. Kind of got that, that thing. I like it what's going on there. Um, What was the other thing I was going to talk about? Oh, this week is the last week, midweek, for biblical citizenship. So we got one course left. So if you want to get in on it, it's not too late. You can drink from the fire hydrant like the rest of us have been drinking from for the last eight weeks or however long we've been on this. It's been so good, but this is going to be the last week for it. And so I wanted to let you know about that. If you need to know our address, they'll have it at the How Can We Help You table out there in the lobby. And I think those were the only two things that I missed anything. Okay. Just happy to have my wife on the front row this morning. If you've been wondering where she's been, she's been in kids, helping your kids, ministering to your kids, because man, they're the future, amen? Well, would you take your Bible this morning and would you turn over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, and I want to share some things on my heart this Easter. Man, you know, it's supposed to be, every Sunday is supposed to be Easter, you know? It really is. You can have Easter every day of your life. You can live in that reality on a continual basis. And, um, oh, I know the other thing I was going to share. We had a family um, come on Thursday. They contacted us. They had had a house fire, and they lost everything in their house fire. And so they contacted us and let us know what was going on. And this past Thursday night, we were able to bless them. They came over to the warehouse and we blessed them with, with a sofa, a barca lounger, with, I mean, housewares. We had some brand new pots and pans come in that day. Brand new. I mean, I'm talking, they had the really, huh? In the box. They were some ceramic, some kind of, anyway, really cool pots and pans. We were able to bless them with all of that stuff. And they were so thankful. They had tears in their eyes. And then, and then we were able to pray with the entire family to rededicate their lives back to God. And we're believing that they'll plug into a church. Because how many of you know, you need to be connected. And I'm not talking about once a week or twice a week or come in, sit on the back row and escape all you track stars when the service is over. I'm talking about connecting with people. Because when you get connected with people, they get in your business. And you know what happens when they get in your business? Yeah, they talk about me. No, that's not what happens. They now are able to hold you accountable. Because they know what's happening in your life. If I don't know what's happening in your life, how can I hold you accountable for it? Yeah, amen. My son, send, he, uh, I'm a part of an uh, online deal with my son, and it sends me reports of his activity online. What, why? I'm holding him accountable. And if something comes up, it's my responsibility to ask him, hey, dude, what happened here? What's this? We need people like that in our life. Amen. All right, thank you for that exciting, happy amen there. So, so it's Easter, special holiday. Isn't it interesting that most of the holidays in the United States of America are centered around one man, Jesus. Man, Christmas, it's 
all about the birth of Christ, right? Thanksgiving, it's about giving thanks to him. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, some of you I know may not celebrate that holiday, but we do if you're a citizen of the United States. And then what, what we have today, we have Easter. Now, the enemy, obviously, he wants to make it about Easter bunnies and eggs. And I didn't come here to preach to you about that this morning. I, began, I came to preach and to turn away from that and to turn your mind and your focus back to the reason that we celebrate Easter which I know for many of you, your mind was already there. You were already on the page. But that's what the enemy does. That's why the enemy creates so many different things. You look at Christmas. What an amazing holiday. But it's about so much. That I remember I was walking through. I won't tell you where I was, but I was in a huge theme park uh, down in the state of Florida. And I was in this theme park and it was Christmas. And man, we went to this one area where the, everything was lit. I, even, I think somebody's dog was even lit. I mean, there were lights on everything and it was all over the place. And I was looking all around and I was noticing the Christmas trees and the candy canes and all of the lights and, and, the, and the cookies and everything else that had to do or that we may make a part of our Christmas. But there was one thing missing. I didn't see a major scene anywhere. I went, where's the manger? This is when Jesus was born. This is when we celebrate. It wasn't necessarily when he was born, but it's when we celebrate that he was born. And I walked around the corner out of these lights into this little obscure alley, and there was a manger scene with, with no lights tucked around the corner. I went, wow, you know, we got some work to do here, amen? <laughs> and so he is the reason for the season. So, so, the enemy will take all of this other stuff and he wants to turn your attention on it. Why? To turn your attention away from what's really important in your life. And so a few months ago, I was on the phone with a pastor in Florence, Kentucky, right there just south of the Cincinnati area. And his name is Pastor Cletty Keith. And Pastor Cletty, in my estimation, I would equate him to like a Norval Hayes, a Lester Summerall, a Kenneth Hagin, I mean, he is a general in the faith, but he's still alive, and I'm so thankful for him. Um, and I went up and spent a week with him when we, uh, not to, I guess that was a couple years ago now, that I spent a full week with him, and man, God just impacted my life. And he's one of those guys that you get with him, and you sense the presence of God enters the car. I mean, that's the kind of guy that Pastor Clady is. Anyway, so we're on the phone a few months ago. And he said, Phil, I got a word from the Lord for you. Well, when Pastor Clady says that, you need to grab whatever pen you can get your hand on and a piece of paper right there and turn on the recorder. And, and he said, I've got a word for you. He said, I have a word for your church, Phil. And the word is pivot. Wow, that's interesting. And he said, this is a critical time for the church. He said, God is calling you to purity and holiness. He said, but that's the word that God has given me for you and for the church is the word pivot. Well, I began to look it up. I felt impressed in my heart to share it with you this morning. I looked it up and the word pivot means in the Webster's Dictionary, 1828 Dictionary, a pin on which anything turns. If you look it up in the Greek, the Greek-English lexicon, it's the same word as axis. So it's a, it's a turning away from and a turning unto. It's a turning away 
so that you can turn unto. That means God wants us to stop going in this direction, turn around and head in this direction, do a 180. Amen? And so I want, with that said, I want to look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 21. Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus has just finished talking to the, to the disciples about dealing with someone who sins against you. So he's just finished having this conversation. And then Peter comes to Jesus in verse 21. And he says to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? Up to seven times. And I'm sure, I'm sure that Peter felt like he was being generous with seven. How many of you know? That's generous. Now, Jesus didn't say yes, but let's say that he answered yes to that. It's up to seven times. Yes, Peter, seven times. Now, what's the issue? Now we have a countdown. How many of you um, practice the three strikes you're out method with your kids? <laughs> don't worry, I'm sorry, don't raise your hand. But, it, but so I see some parents do this. They, it's the three strikes and you're out. Or, you know, let's say you're working for a guy and and, and, and he says, I, I, I practice the three strikes and you're out method here at the company. Well, that sounds really loving and merciful, doesn't it? How many of you are excited about that? You got three strikes and I'm out. What happens? Now there's a countdown. So if there's a countdown with forgiveness and with forgiving somebody else, then that means, oh, that's one. And what are you doing now? Now your focus is not on forgiveness. Your focus is on When's number two coming? Oh, it's on the way. I'm, I, I, it's coming. And then you get down to number seven, and then what? Now it's time to punish him or her for hurting me. So look at, how, look at what Jesus says. He goes on in verse 22. Jesus says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, be honest, how many of you have done the math on that? You've crunched the numbers? Yeah, yeah. So, you came up with 490, right, if I'm correct? Okay. So, 490. <laughs> okay. Here's the point. Jesus, I don't believe, because of what we're getting ready to read and the context of what we're getting ready to read tells me that Jesus is not saying, hey, 490 times. What he's saying is, always forgive. Forgive every time. Well, Phil, where do you see that? Okay, let's keep reading. Because unforgiveness, here's what unforgiveness does. The mission of unforgiveness is always to punish the person that hurt you. You want them to pay for it, right? You want them to experience the hurt that you experienced, right? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Yeah, but the problem is, is that at the cross, there were certain things that passed through, there were certain things that were modified, and then there were certain things that stopped. Yeah. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth was one of them. Mm -hmm. It's no longer our responsibility to make somebody else pay for what they did. What's our responsibility? To forgive. To forgive. Yeah. What is forgiveness? It's love. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is love. Yeah, I'm feeling it in the room right now. <laughs> wow, I, I heard Dan say that and I went, man, you just described what I've always felt in my heart. Okay, let's read the next verse in verse 23. Jesus goes into a parable. 
Let's read it in verse 23. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I don't want to do on the math on that, but let's just say it's a lot of money and he didn't have the ability to pay it back. And, or was that? Verse 25. Uh, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, with his children, all that he had, and payment be made. So even when, do you have like a, like a filter? Could you find me one? Little screen, windscreen? There used to be one, one on here. Um, anyway, so he said, but he was not able to pay, and so he commanded that he be sold with his children so the payment could be made. Is he still going to be able to pay the amount? No, not even after the sale of all that. And it said, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then his mas the master of that servant was moved with compassion. Say that out loud, moved with compassion. This is important. This is important because when it comes to us, when you and I make a mistake, we expect God to have compassion on us, Right? We expect the forgiveness of God. I've even heard people go as far as to say, I'm just going to 1 John 1, 9 it. Really? So you're going to go ahead and knowingly do something and then 1 John 1, 9 it. Okay, wait, 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 wait. No, we expect that of God. Why? He is a merciful God. We've seen him forgive others. We've seen him forgive us, right? Um, but our heart has to be in the right place. We have to sincerely humble ourselves before him and admit that we have done wrong so that we can receive his forgiveness. Because repenting is going in one direction and turning, going in a complete opposite direction. It means you were headed this way, headed for, for destruction, for bitterness, for anger, for resentment, for pain, for hurt. And then you turned around and you said, you know what, God, I receive your forgiveness in return. So, so when it comes to us, we always want to see his forgiveness, amen? But do we want that for other people the same way we love ourselves? Especially the people that have hurt us. I've shared this story many times, but we had a neighbor that got upset at Nicole and I. <clears throat> and she had given us a couch and we asked a question about the couch and suddenly her countenance fell and her attitude toward us changed. And she got upset at us and she started talking bad about us to all of our neighbors. And you know how we knew? Our neighbors were coming to us and telling us, do you know what this lady is saying about, it, about you? And we, we had no idea what we even did wrong. And we would drive out in the neighborhood every day, we would wave. She would be outside, we would wave and smile, and she would look at us like, are you kidding me? You're still, when are you gonna get it? I mean, that was the look she was giving me and Nicole. And we would wave at them, and we would smile, and we were determined we are going to stay in love and we forgive them. What did Jesus say on the cross? Lord, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Man, that's so full of love and compassion. And that's what we did. We began, we began to love this lady. Well, do you know that we were blessed with all of these trays of perennials, right? These flowers, 
pansies, these trays and trays of pansies. And we had all of these pansies. And so in our little neighborhood, we only had 60 homes. So we put a tray of pansies on every single, every single driveway. And we got to their driveway. And what did your natural man want to do? I don't want to give them one. Why? Because I want them to pay for what they, how they're treating me. I don't understand. But we said, no, we're going to bless them. We blessed them with a tray of pansies. And do you know that completely turned her attitude around? It wasn't instantaneous, but it ha- you could tell. It happened. And God totally turned her heart. Why? We chose to forgive. To forgive. That doesn't mean that other people are going to treat you right. It doesn't mean that when you go and you apologize to somebody that they're going to turn and look at you and say, brother, I forgive you. I love you. I've apologized to people before and they've looked at me and just shook their head like this. Are you kidding me? Can't believe you're apologizing. Yeah, I've swallowed that one. See how that one feels. That goes down real smooth, doesn't it? Well, it's, it's not about how you feel. It's about your heart. Man, we've got to learn to release things. We've got to learn to forgive things. Why? So that the sin against us doesn't create sin in us. Oh, wow. So where was I at? What verse was I at? Oh, with compassion. He was moved with compassion. And he released him and he forgave the debt. So look at this guy. The master forgave the debt. Then verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and he laid his hands on him and he took him by the throat and he said, pay me what you owe. Man, that doesn't sound like his master. And he grabs him by the throat. He says, pay me what you owe. And and so his fellow servant fell down and did the same thing. He fell at his feet. He begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not. He went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, that they became very grieved and they came and they told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry. He delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father will do to each of you from if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother, his trespass. So here's a good question. Have you been forgiven much? I mean, that's an honest question. Have we been forgiven a lot? My Bible says to whom much is forgiven, much is required. Freely you have received, freely. Mercy was extended to me, so I should extend mercy to the older person in the car in front of me that's had their left-hand blinker on for the last mile that I wonder when they're gonna get over and turn. No, this is real. You got, it's funny, but it's real. Believe me. You know, or the person that cuts me off. Or I, I know it doesn't all have to do with driving, but, but when we're easily irritated, we're, take, we're choosing to take offense. And you're not designed to take offense. You're designed to release offense and, re, and, and let it go. So you guys, how many of you remember the car company Saturn? 
GM had a car company years ago called Saturn. Anybody? Okay, thanks. Couple, yeah, got a Saturn fan in the back. Okay, so Saturn, the interesting thing about the Saturn cars was they took the polymer material, the polymer uh, material they used for bumpers. That's what's used on your bumpers of your cars today. So that way, you know, if you ever back into somebody, hopefully it'll just pop right back out because it's polymer. And so in, the Saturns were interesting because the entire car was made of polymer, you know, with the exception of like the hood and the roof. But it was all this, this material so that when, you know, the basket that somebody, the shopping cart that somebody left, they didn't put it back where it belonged and it went rolling and it hit your car, it didn't leave a door ding in your car. That's the way you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be dent resistant so that when a fence comes, it just bounces off of you. And you just flex back out to what you looked like before. You keep smiling and waving, even though they're about to flip you off. How are you? I love my neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So forgiveness is this. It's receiving what you didn't deserve. Have you ever had somebody give you a gift that you were like, man, I do not deserve this? It was very humbling to receive that. I think as the church, we need to come back to that gift that God gave us that we didn't deserve. That he paid the penalty, just like he did for this man. So he didn't base his forgiveness of you on your worthiness so we shouldn't, in turn, base the forgiveness that we give to someone else on whether or not they're worthy to receive it. Oh, you don't want to talk about what you deserve. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh-uh. No. And so why would we put that same responsibility on somebody else? I loved what Dan Moeller said when he was here a couple weeks ago. He said, Jesus didn't come right because that makes you wrong. He said, Jesus came righteous, and that makes wrong things right. Man, God came to set things right in our life. Amen. So <clears throat> unforgiveness can cause some people to get offended and dis- disengage from church. Uh, Dan brought this up so beautifully, and, and, and he just echoed what I hear all the time. Oh, I don't go to church anymore because pe- they were hurt by people. Well, why did you allow people to pull you out of your relationship with God? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. No, because you're disengaged. You're not going anymore. Wait, the Bible says to to not forsake the gathering together of the saints. You're forsaking it because over people. My father-in-law used to say, Phil, I I know what the perfect church is. I said, oh, tell me, man, this sounds good. He said, it's a beautiful building that's paid off, plenty of parking, nice bathrooms, you know, great kids facilities and no people. (laughs) And I thought, it's funny and it makes you laugh, but that's not the church. The building is not the church. Guess who the church is? Look around. Look at your neighbor, say, you're the church. You're the church. You're the church. And so if you're not, if you disengage or if you're tempted to unplug, then what happens? Now you're no longer planted. And in Psalm 92, it talks about 
being planted in the house of God. The man who is planted in the house of God will flourish. That means you'll grow. Why will you grow? Because you have to work through things. You have to pass tests. This is so exciting. Because you get to go through stuff. Man, let me tell you, you haven't... Uh, I worked on, my wife and I worked on staff for a church in Austin, Texas. We were there for five years. We were the assistant pastors. And I got to work one-on-one every day with the pastor. The senior pastor was a captain in the Vietnam War. He polished his shoes. I, I bought patent leather shoes so I wouldn't have to polish them. And they would always look polished when I came in. That was, I mean, it was a different dynamic working for him. And I remember there were several times that I loved the auditorium. We had a nice auditorium like this and I would come in and, and it would be dark in the auditorium and I would step up, I would just slip up to the piano and I would just begin to worship God in the dark. And people would some oftentimes open the door because they'd hear a piano in there but they wouldn't see any lights on. I was getting alone in my secret place with God. Why? Because I was being faced with tests, opportunities to quit, things I didn't like. But you know what it was? You know what I realized that it was? Most of it was preference and not principle. You know the difference? Preference, color, paint on the walls, fashion. You like it this way. I like it that way. Principle, that's a definitive line. I don't bend on principle, right? None of it was principle. I liked how Dan put it. It's either, it's either uh, a felony or a misdemeanor. Misdemeanor, felony. I love that. You know, it's like, let, this one doesn't matter. This one, I don't bend on. And you know what? Man, God helped me. I, I would, I, there were, there was even a couple of times, I gotta be honest, I, I went in, I got into the prayer room and I said, God, please transfer me. Give me a transfer. And he would come back and he'd, and I, I would just see it stamped, denied. And I remember when we left, we left the right way. We didn't leave until God told us to leave. And we were in the moving van. I was in the moving van. Nicole was in the vehicle behind me, following me. And I was driving down the highway. And I was just praying and I was thanking God that he was taking us to the next adventure, the next thing that he had for us. And do you know what the Spirit of God said to my heart? He said, Phil, I was able, because you stayed, I was able to develop in you everything that I needed to develop to take you to the next place I have for you. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. This is the importance of being planted, staying planted. When we were in Bakersfield, California, we drove a few hours north and went up to see the redwoods. You guys ever seen the redwoods, the big, beautiful redwoods? They, They grow up to around 350 feet. I mean, they're huge. The base is the size of a small house, you know. It's just this massive tree. But the interesting thing about the redwoods is the root system only grows down six to 10 feet deep. But then do you know what it does? It goes in miles in each direction and it intertwines with other trees, other redwoods, because that's what keeps it stable. It's its connection to the other redwoods that helps it withstand storms. You can't stand a storm in your life by yourself. You're going to be calling us and asking for prayer. And our first question is going to be, where are you connected? 
Good preaching, Pastor Phil. Man, that was, that was so good. I just encouraged myself. So, you know, I mean, there's safety in the herd. Come on, who does the enemy attack in the herd? The weak, the sick, the hurt, and the ones that are off by themselves. You want to be attacked. There you go. Okay, so safety in the herd. So turn over to John chapter 20. I want to read this verse to you. John chapter 20. Yeah, are you having fun yet on Easter Sunday? John chapter 20. Look at verse 23. I love, love this verse. Verse 23 says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Wow. If you forgive the sins of someone else, their sins are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now this verse, when I read this for the first time, I remember in Austin where I really, I'd read it before, but I hadn't really, it hadn't really become revelation like it did when we were in Austin. And there was this young woman that Nicole and I knew, and, and she had a rough upbringing. Her father was very abusive. Uh, he was an alcoholic. He sexually abused her sister. She knew all about it. And, and the more that it happened, the more things that her father did, there were more things that got checked on her list as to justification as to why she didn't have to forgive him. And she held on to the offense, which grew into bitterness, which grew into hatred. And she read this scripture. We were studying it at that time in the church, and she read that scripture. When she read it, it, it went off in her. It became revelation to her. And by this time, her father was an older man. He was physically not doing well. He was actually on hospice at the time that she had this revelation. And he was in a hospital bed at a hospice facility. And she said, I know what I've got to do. I need to go and forgive him. And we were blown away. We were like, wow, glory to God, man. That sounds like love. And she, she went to the hospice place. And she sat down with her dad and she said, dad, I just want you to know that I forgive you all the things that happened all those years ago. You know, here's a good point. Don't bring it up and rehash it, okay? Just make your apology and get off the subject. So she didn't bring it up. She didn't talk all about it. She just said, I want you to know I forgive you. Well, he broke in tears. She was able to lead her father to the Lord and do you know, he, he took two nurses to heaven with him. He, he, he got two of the nurses saved before he went home to be with the Lord. But I, but I thought about that story and I thought, how, how many people is it that maybe that they're waiting on us to forgive, to let go, to let go of the, the, the bitterness, the anger, the hurt, the pain, the resentment, the hatred. Man, on an on a alternate situation, Nicole and I knew of another young lady. I grew up with her, actually. I went to school with her. She was a beautiful, talented young girl. And she, could, uh, she was real into, into ballet. And she started traveling with a, a production that was a Christian production that, that they did missions all across the nation and around the world. And God, 
God was just using her in great ways. Great ways. Well, she met a nice guy that traveled with the troop. They got married and they moved to a, a, a city and her, his parents were pastoring a church. And so they went to work for her, parent, her, her in-laws and slowly her in-laws began to do things that offended her. And little by little, the offense grew and it grew and it turned into bitterness and it turned eventually into hatred. And and what happened was a disease attacked her body. It was a debilitating disease. It was the kind of disease that caused you to lose your, mo- your mobility, uh, your, your mobility skills, your, your muscle tone. She began to lose little by little. And eventually she was walking with a cane. Eventually she couldn't walk. Eventually she lost her ability to feed herself. I mean, it was, it was but all through it, she had wonderful friends who loved her who reached out to her and encouraged her, let it go. Forgive your in-laws. She refused to. I don't know if she ever forgave before she died, but imagine that side, refusing to let go, what, what that could do, how that could affect you. And so my prayer for her is that it didn't. Over in Mark 11, turn over there and this will be our last scripture. Becca, could you come help me? Man, I love, I just appreciate so much Becca and how God uses her. In Mark eleven twenty three and 24, we know these verses. Um, if you've been saved very long and you've read Mark eleven twenty three and 24, you know them as the faith, faith scriptures, scriptures that really build your faith and they encourage your faith. And and it says in Mark eleven twenty three, it says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So I mean that, man, that's it. And we need a faith builder after that last story I told, right? And so that encourages our faith. But look at verse 25. It says, and whenever you stand praying, If you have anything against someone, forgive them. Sounds like it could affect your praying to me. Does it to you? Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your sins, your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses? So your forgiveness is dependent upon you forgiving other people. Is that fair to say? We just read it. I didn't write this. (laughs) That's not me. This is Jesus talking. It's in red. So it means a lot. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. So it's dependent. I had the privilege uh, years ago, actually when we were in Austin, I met a guy named Jack King. Jack King was an ex-military guy. Loved this guy. Just had a gruff voice. Do you guys ever see that guy cook commercial where the drill sergeant is, is doing counseling and he throws the, throws the Kleenex at, I, some of you don't know. But anyway, I, I'm a little older, sorry. <laughs> some of you Gen Zers maybe haven't seen it. But anyway. That's that guy. I mean, he just, you know, he's just real gruff. 
this super guy. But anyway, when he was young, his father owned a business with a business partner. He didn't know it, but his business partner was doing a lot of wrong things behind the scenes financially. He was the salesman and his business partner was the one that handled the money. And so he, he said, sales were up and our business was growing. He said, but we had less money. And as Jack's father couldn't figure it out. And finally, Jack realized something's not right. So I want to sell the business and I just want us to split it and we'll go our separate ways. And you can have what you have and I can have what I have. And then, and then we can, I can go start all over by myself. But apparently there was something really wrong because his business partner hired an assassin and had Jack's dad murdered. He was murdered at the business. It was late at night, got a call. Something, the security alarm was going off and it was all pre-planned. Well, when that happened, Jack turned into a different man. He began to pursue his dad's partner and he began to work with the police he got his, his private investigator's license. He got licensed to carry two Smith & Wesson, both hips. I mean, he went after him. And after a year of going after this guy, finally brought it to court. There was gonna be, there was, it was gonna be tried in court. And when, the, uh, when they came back with the verdict, it was not guilty. Well, then Jack was fuming because I've worked on this. And it was, he had one goal, to bring in his mind justice to his father, his father's death. And he pretty much made up his mind. He said, in fact, he said, I was so, such good friends with one of the police officers that when he saw my response, after they said not guilty, he said, he pulled me to the side and he said, listen, I know what you're thinking. He said, and it's not good. He said, but if you do it, use a shotgun and do it in this county. And he said, why this county? And he said, because they've never solved a homicide there. Yeah. And so, so he said, I had it in my heart. Murder was now officially in my heart. And he said, my friend, boy, this is why we need connection. His friend reached out to him and they invited him to an Ed Cole meeting that night. He decided to go. He was a good friend, friend that loved him. Friend that was a great sounding board. And he took him to that Ed Cole meeting. And Ed Cole preached on what I'm preaching to you, on forgiveness. And he gave an altar call that those who need to forgive and ask God to forgive them, come to the front. And Jack said, I got up out of my seat. I went to the front. He said, and I gave my life back to God. And I asked God to forgive me. I had murder in my heart. And he said, he released it. He said, and I turned around and I went walking back down the aisle, back to my seat. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And he said, now I want you to go to your dad's business partner and ask him to forgive you. He said, what did you say? He said, you heard me. He goes, I don't see why I'm the one that needs to ask him to forgive me. Now, he had pursued him for a year. I mean, he had run him off of the road. He'd done all kinds of things to try and get this guy thrown in prison. So he, he 
said, okay, I'll do it. I don't want to. I don't feel it in my heart, but I want to obey you. And so little did he know, he went to the grocery store one night and the grocery store was right across the street from where the business was. And he looked over toward the business and there were fire trucks and there was smoke billowing up out of the business. And he had for a moment, some gratification in his heart because the business was on fire because he'd stole it from his father. And he said, I went into the grocery store, got what I need. And he said, as I'm walking out of the grocery store, the Holy Spirit speaks to his heart. And he says, your dad's business partner is over there at the business right now. Go over there. He said, I, he said, I threw my head down. I got in my car. I drove over there. And sure enough, there he was. He said, and when he saw me get out of my car and come walking toward him, he said, his entire complexion went pale. The business partner thought he was there to kill him. Do you know what Jack did? He obeyed. He said, hey man, I'm here because God sent me here. I need to ask you to forgive me. And the business partner just looked at him like, what? Same response that Jack had when God asked him to do it. And he asked him to forgive him. What happened next was amazing. God opened the door and he prayed with his dad's business partner to receive Jesus, make him Lord of his life. And do you know that they stayed friends the rest of his life. And when that business partner physically started to, you know, he had a heart attack and his wife, the first person she called was Jack. Jack came and prayed for him. That sounds like love. That doesn't, that sounds like forgiveness, doesn't it to you? And do you know that when he died, when he finally passed away, they invited Jack to come and to do the funeral for him. He did the funeral his father's murder. Man. Wow. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. wants to do is he doesn't he he doesn't want me to preach a sermon and just get you emotionally charged and motivated to be able to come down here and pray a prayer no god wants your life it's going to cost you everything phil what do you mean it's going to cost me everything it's going to cost you everything that you weren't supposed to be in the first place god's trying to restore you back to the way adam was in the garden of eden that's his plan in salvation. It's not that we just pray a prayer and then, woo, I get to go to heaven. No, it's I'm sorry. 
It's not just about that. It's about transformation. It's about that your life is going in this direction, that you completely turn around and you head in the opposite direction. It means that you were headed to hell, death, and the grave, and now you're headed to life and life more abundantly. That's what it means. And I just feel like there's a bunch of people in here this morning that you've got unforgiveness in your heart. It may even be toward God. You might be blaming Him for somebody who died, for somebody that did you wrong, for, for your status in life, for a ministry that maybe didn't go well, as whatever it is. This is your Easter of all Easter's right here. This is your opportunity to lay it all down, to ask God to forgive you and then allow him to turn you into the person that you were intended to be all along, that he created you to be. Man, would you bow your heads all around the room this morning? I'm not here to pick on anyone. I'm not here to put anybody on the spot, to put a spotlight on anybody. I'm not here to, to air your laundry to anybody or to draw things out of the closet, but I am here to allow the Holy Spirit to make a difference in your life because that's what He's here to do. He wants you and I to live life, an abundant life before Him. He doesn't want us to just slide by, scoot along, and be mad at everybody. If that's you, and you say, yeah, Phil, you're talking directly to me. If that's you, would you raise your hand all around the room? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Would you stand up with me this morning? Would you stand up with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want you to put your hand on your heart all around the room, every person. Doesn't matter whether you needed, felt like you needed forgiveness or you have someone that's coming to your mind that you need to forgive. If you don't, that's okay. Pray for other people. Use this as an opportunity to love on the person next to you, on the right or left of you. But if that's you, every person, I want you to put your hand on your heart like this. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going we're gonna to get things correct right now. We're going to let it go. We're going to choose to forgive. Pray this after me. Would you all the room, let's pray it out loud real strong. Heavenly Father, thank you that you forgave me when I couldn't pay what I owed. You forgave the debt. And you don't charge that against me anymore. I'm clear and I'm free. And I thank you for that. And now... 
I do that for the person that I need to forgive right now. I forgive them. I let it go. I will not be offended. I will not allow bitterness, resentment, or hatred to get into my heart. I choose to live a life of forgiveness. I forgive. I don't care what they did. I don't care how much it hurt. My job is to walk in love. So I choose to forgive. Now in your heart, just call them out right now. Just begin to call them out. Say it, say it out loud. I forgive so-and-so. I forgive so-and-so. I forgive this person. I forgive that person. Name them. Now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. We release it. We refuse to walk in it anymore. In Jesus' name. Now put your hand on your heart again and begin to pray this out loud with me. Let's say it all together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my Savior, that you came to save me. I give you my life, all of it. I don't keep anything back. But I'm going to give you everything. And I thank you for transforming my life through the word and through intimacy with you. Thank you for saving me. I receive your forgiveness. Now just begin to thank him right where you are all around the room. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Yeah, yeah. Father, we thank you. We praise you, God. We are so grateful for you, Lord. So thankful. So grateful. God, you're a good, good God. Father, I thank you for every person in here. One thing I didn't say that I'm feeling prompted right now is that... Unforgiveness always comes, it always starts very small. It always starts in such a way that you look at it and you go, that's not a big deal. You know, well, kissing a girl is not a big deal. But it's designed to take you somewhere. You know, I mean, can I be real? With you, and that's the way unforgiveness is, is it starts as just this little seed. And then that seed is sown into the heart and it begins to grow over time. See, the enemy has figured this out. I mean, he's been around long enough. And that's why you and I need the Holy Spirit. We can't afford to allow that kind of poison in our life. And so if I made a cake up here for you, some of you would be. Well, let me say, if my wife made a cake for you, because you wouldn't want to eat a cake I made. But if my wife made a cake for you up here, you'd be excited to eat it. But if you found out that there was 0.003% arsenic in it, you wouldn't be so excited to eat it, would you? Why? Because there's a chance. That could not be good for me. That's the way unforgiveness is. We have to treat it like it's poison and not allow our heart to live in that. So I want to encourage you in that, okay? All right. 
Happy Resurrection Day. Amen. Yeah, give Jesus a hand. Thank you, God.